You may be seated and turn to 2 Timothy in chapter 3. I'm going to take a message here from chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, and we'll title this, Continue in Christ. I'll start reading in 2 Timothy 3.14, through the end of the chapter there. <clears throat> but continue thou in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them. And that from a child you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let us pray. Father, we come before you today to break the bread of life. Holy Spirit, we ask for help, Lord, as we do this, that you would take these words, Lord, and perform the very thing that these words say. In Christ's name, amen. Well, just... To bring you back to these pastoral letters here, first and second, and first and second Timothy and Titus, these are Paul's letters to young ministers, and this is showing us the importance of preaching in your life, in the life of the soul of the believer. In Second Timothy, we are reading Paul's last thing that he will write to the church of Jesus Christ. So there is a gravity in this letter. I mean, all the letters have gravity, but this is his last one. His last will and testament. The main word, the key word in these pastoral letters is the word doctrine. Which, as we take right here in verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Paul is coming here to the end of his life. He says, you've known my life. You've seen how this doctrine changed me. You've also seen the opposition that this teaching has produced in the world against it. Which validates that it's true. This word of truth that... I'm encouraging you to continue in today is God's breathed word. God created by his word. Jesus healed by words. He changed water by word. He made it hard so he could walk on it. He turned it into wine. He calmed it. And this word that we have here is breathed out by God and it's administered to you by God's gifts and the Holy Spirit weekly, 52 weeks a year, so that you might continue in the faith and be changed and transformed to be like your big brother. And so this word is sent in mercy to transform you, to separate your heart so your heart needs to be cleansed. Of it. Your affections need to be cleaned and cleansed. And we see in the, the vine, when the vine dresser comes and it, he says he clips off those dead branches and also to purge it, to purge the branches that there might be more life that come from that. So also our heart needs to be pruned and cleansed. And as I come before you with these words today, I would ask you this question. How have you been changed by the word in 2023? How have you been changed by the word in 2023? We're wrapping up a year, aren't we? It's at the end of the year that many businesses will perform performance assessments. They'll do inventories. They'll take a look at how things have gone in the past year. And that's for earthly things. 
And so I, I come today here at the end of the year to ask you to perform an assessment in your own soul. How have I changed this year? Have I been transformed by the word? Or have I been conformed to the world? So we're going in one of two ways. We're being transformed or we're being conformed. After Paul had written these words, beginning in chapter 4, he lays down the most solemn charge that he gives to these young ministers. And the charge is, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And so, brothers and sisters, I believe that if you are in Christ, that you will continue in the doctrine that you've learned. And are sure of, knowing of whom you have learned them. He would say there that these holy scriptures are what make us wise unto salvation. Through faith in Christ. This is the word that Jesus said in John 17. In his last words to his disciples. Before his passion. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. That was his prayer for you. Is that you would be sanctified. Separated. Purified. Prepared for glory. So in this final letter from Paul. And in his instruction to preachers. And you on how you are to be more and more separated and transformed and purified to be holy as he is holy. I ask you, are you preparing yourself for your wedding day? So the purpose today is to call you to continue in those things that you have learned here in 2023 and throughout your life. To continue in the things the King of Kings has taught you through the preached word. And for you to ask that question. How are we to determine these changes that have gone on in, in our souls? And it's not an easy thing, is it? And sometimes it's hard because of uh, the nature of spiritual things to, to really look at ourselves and, and ask that question. Well, how have I changed? Sometimes it's hard to see. But over the course of time, as I'm 62 now, you will be able to see it. And the way that you see how the Word is changing you is by you to know how the Word works in your life. And we'll do that today by looking at verse 16. This Word works by doctrine, by reproof, by correction, and by instruction. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God, the woman of God, might be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So first, we will take a look at this word, doctrine. So everything that Paul is writing in these letters is, is teaching. He's teaching all the time. When he begins the letter and he... His letters many times will say, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. And he'll, he'll say, I'm an apostle. I have the authority. This letter's coming with authority. All the way to the end of his letters, like when we went through Romans and he lists all the names. What, are we, what is he teaching us if he just lists names? There? He's teaching us that this is a community work and that we need each other. And it's a team effort. So he's always teaching. This word doctrine is used 14 times in these three little letters but there are other words that he uses that mean the same thing. So again and again, the emphasis here is on teaching. Teaching. And this teaching is coming out of the very mouth of God. All scripture. All is an adjective and it's comprehensive. We've come to understand that this all scripture, even though it's written in this one letter includes everything that God has revealed as being inspired word from Genesis to Revelation. 
We know that Jesus himself referred to the writings as scripture, as in Matthew 21 when he said, did you never read the scriptures? And he says that again in Matthew 22, 31. He said, but as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken to you by God? Say, and then in Hebrews, I mentioned this last week in Hebrews 3, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, the Holy Ghost says today, if you will hear his voice. So this word is God breathed. It is breathed out by God. We use the English word inspired. But God works through men and their personalities to bring forth this word. And then he worked through men to preserve this word. And he continues to do that to this day. This word, this God-breathed scripture that's given by inspiration of God that is profitable is very quick and sharp, isn't it? And that what we read there in Hebrews 4, when he says this word is a two-edged sword. You read in Revelations, what do you see John see coming out of the mouth of Jesus? Two-edged sword. Two-edged sword cuts both ways, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of your heart. This word, this inspired word, that is doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, is the process that it's cutting deep into your heart and the motives of your heart to expose sin so that it might be got rid of and put to death. This God-breathed word is how we change and how we are transformed. In 2 Peter 1.20, Peter also giving his assent through the Holy Spirit, saying, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. This book was not written by the will of men. It was written by the will of God. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This is the truth. Holy Spirit put in tongues of men. And the same Holy Spirit is being applied. That Holy Spirit is applying these words to your heart today. And so one of the main ways that we are changed. And that we can look back over this year. And ask that question. How have I been changed? How am I being transformed for glory? The first question we have to ask is, what do you think of the word? And how you are giving attention to this word in your life shows whether you believe it comes with authority or not. Is it God breathed in my life? Do I look at this word as being something that was on the highest seat of authority that I am to arrange my thoughts, minds, and will under? And so we must understand the authority of this word. Paul has just said here in chapter 15, From a child you have known the Holy Scriptures. Most of our Bibles will say right on the spine, Holy Bible. It's from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures. Brothers and sisters, if you were raised in a family being taught the Holy Scriptures, you are blessed. But I'll tell you this also. That parents who are not obeying that word in front of their children are doing great damage. Because they're contradicting God's word by their life. What a blessing it is that Timothy had this mother and this grandmother that were raising him and grounding him in the word of truth. He said, from a child you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So the way we change is to understand the authority of this word in my life to identify what my sin problem is and to find the text that applies to that sin problem. And I've got to work that into my heart and mind and 
submit it, submit to that text. So this word doctrine is teaching or instruction. Paul would say there in Romans 15, whatsoever things were written before time were written for our learning. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Hope to overcome sin. Hope to overcome the grave. So how important is teaching in our life? You might think about it this way. Has anybody here ever flown on an airplane? How important is the teaching that an airplane pilot receives? If you went and sat on a plane and somebody got on the speaker on there and said, okay, we need somebody to fly the plane today. Any volunteers? Would you stay on the plane? There's a lot of things a pilot has to learn about a plane. He's got to learn about where he's at and where he's going and how to get the plane from here to there. You've got to learn about where you're at in life today and you got to look back over this last year and say, where am I going? Am I being transformed by the Word? Am I headed in the right direction? Is my character being conformed to be like Christ or not? Or is the world having too much influence in my life? Whenever this plane is flying from Atlanta to Seattle, there's a lot of things going on. The earth is rotating. The wind's blowing. And there has to be lots of adjustments made between here and there if you're going to get to the destination. And this word is your instruction whereby you also have to be making adjustments as you're on this journey called life. As you're headed somewhere. Because there are many winds that are against you. Ephesians 4.14 That we henceforth be no more children. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. There is every wind of doctrine blowing at you through the movie, through TVs, the culture and sports today, the culture in our country. There are good things there and there are things that are not. And this word helps us to discern and to separate those things and to keep the things out we need to keep out and to enjoy the things that are good about it. Every wind of doctrine, there are men, wicked men that use cunning craftiness and lies to deceive. Doctrine, teaching is important, isn't it? In 1 Timothy 4.1, Paul said, The Spirit speaks expressly. Specifically, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Some are going to depart from the faith. Some are going to depart from having a profession of Christianity. And they're going to turn aside to the things they really love. They will give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So there's teaching coming at you through the word weekly. This is critically important for us. It's essential to salvation preaching. God wouldn't have ordained it and gifted sinful men to stand up and to perform this. There are doctrines of devils in the world and many institutions that call themselves by the name of Christ. The most powerful and effective religion in America today is propagated through the public education system. It's called the religion of humanism. Doctrines of devils. You cannot learn truth apart from Jesus Christ who is truth. 
And so Paul would say, take heed, Timothy, in this first letter. Take heed to yourself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. Continue in this doctrine. For in doing this, you shall save yourself and those that hear thee. And then Paul would have to rebuke some for teaching other doctrine in these letters. So teaching is important. The day is coming. He will say here in the Second Timothy, right below where we just read, the day is coming when they will not, will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And this year's, I hate to even have to say this, but I have to say this just to, to show you how things are in contemporary Christian music. So this year at their award ceremony, where they get together and do everything just like the world does, handing out each other awards, there was a transvestite Christian singer there, and Derek Webb, who used to be part of Cadence Call, wore a dress to the ceremony, to that with him and many others uh, are, are all saying oh that's great that's wonderful doctrines of devils are permeating so called things that go by the name of Christ they will not endure sound doctrine they like to praise the world they like awards they like to be like the world but we just saying the truth and the reality of fallen Christ is poor and afflicted. Not rich and increased with goods, having need of nothing. And so you must understand the authority of this word that's coming. All scripture is by inspiration of God. And that this teaching is profitable. This teaching is essential to your salvation. That there are, is opposition to this doctrine. There are winds of doctrine blowing at you regularly. And you must know what's going on in your soul. And about the things that are against you. The things to keep you from your destination. And that destination is assured of. But if your name is written on the manifest in that destination. You will be using this word to get there. Transformed or conformed? How have you changed this year? Secondly, conviction. Conviction. This word is profitable for doctrine and for reproof. Reproof is conviction. You must be convicted. You must be convicted that sin is a capital offense. Capital offense means worthy of death. We must be convicted that we have committed sin and treason against the highest. We must be thoroughly convinced of the truth first that it's God breathed before we can be convicted or we won't give heed to the word. There was a time when David had sinned. He committed adultery and murder and he had gotten hardened in that sin. He was in a position of authority. He had taken God's word off the throne and David had started sitting there. And he thought, I've got the right to do it. I can do what I want to do. I'm the king. You know that's the problem with every fallen child of Adam and Eve is you think you're king, that you're God and that you, you can do what you want. You can watch what you want and listen to what you want. We're infected with that. But brothers and sisters... There's doctrine and teaching come out of all of those things. And it's essential we are aware of that. This truth must come with reproof and conviction. So that when Nathan came into David and he told him a little story, he said somebody came along and there's this poor person had this one little bitty lamb. And they stole the lamb from that person, took it. And then slaughtered it and ate the lamb. And that man didn't even have anything left. That lamb was like a, a pet to that person. And David said, that, that man's going to die. Where's he at? And what did Nathan say? You are that man. He was convicted. 
And we have the words of David's conviction in Psalms 51, where he said, I acknowledge my transgression, my sin. I admit it. I was wrong and you are right. That's what it means to be convicted, to be reproved, is to come to the point where you understand it's my sin. I have sinned against you. My sin is ever against me. I've sinned against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you might be just when you speak and that you might be clear when you judge. The child of God likes to be corrected. He knows it hurts. It says the godly man will consider it a blessing when his brother comes along and smites him with the rod. Because he knows eternity is at stake. The shaping of my soul is at stake. You know, you can go in and you can look at an x-ray. I've seen these x-rays, you know, that shows arteries on the heart that are blocked. You can go in and you can look at that x-ray and you can see the, the blockage and everything. And you can understand in your mind that the aspects of a diet that went into that blockage and walk away with the knowledge of knowing that and it doesn't change you at all. This is in the parable of the sower. Some people receive the word with joy, but they never get to this place of conviction and reproof. When you look at the x-ray and you know it's my heart and that blockage is there for me and action has got to be taken, both maybe surgery, intervention, and changing of my diet and exercise and my lifestyle, if I'm going to deal with the disease, there has to be action. You've got to be come to the point where you realize, that's me, I've got to do something. Because if we don't do that, it's like those that have a form of godliness that he talked about in, the previous, in chapter 3 here in 2 Timothy. He said there are those that have a, a form of godliness, but they deny there's any power that we can be changed. And that's what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. You remember the theme of the Sermon on the Mount? Except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. What is he saying there? These Pharisees went to church, they tithed, wore the right clothes, said the right things. Outwardly, they looked like they were very religious, but on the inside, Jesus tells them, you're full of dead men's bones. The righteousness that exceeds is the righteousness that changes us from the inside out. And this word works through doctrine and teaching and reproof to effect that change. So once we are convicted and we know the truth and the truth comes and we see it, then we can be corrected. That's the third word here. For correction. Jesus Christ and him crucified is the only thing that can correct us. The word correct has the idea of helping someone stand up straight again. So we come to someone in the disease state. Sometimes people are so sick they don't even know they're sick. And so the truth comes and illuminates and they see that. They're convicted. They know they got the disease. The correction is the redressing, the rectifying, the repairing, the healing to help them begin to stand up again. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 7, on repentance, true godly sorrow produces repentance unto salvation. It, more than regret, it's fruit. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. This is the third degree of the surgery. Is that Hebrews two-edged sword is going deeper and deeper, layer by layer and separating. This correcting is when 
You know, it's like you see the scalpel, that's the truth. You feel it, and it goes deep, and it hurts. And now the gospel comes with healing balm to help heal that which has been cut away. The disease must be opened up. It, it, the boil must be lanced and exposed. That's repentance, confession. Correction must include confession. To stand up straight again, you must know that we're not standing straight. And that's where the doctrine comes in, the teaching. And then the conviction comes. And then we can begin to stand up straight again. We see this as an example, again, in the Sermon on the Mount. What are the first commandments we've been talking about Jesus goes to? He goes to the, the sixth and the seventh. He's, he goes and says, it's good not to kill, but he says, if you're using angry words, you're murdering people in your heart. And when you murder people with angry words, there are wounds in their heart that go deep. You must be convicted that's wrong. You must be able to stand up and say, I have an anger problem. I have a lust problem. I have a problem with covetousness. You gotta, we have to, to lance the boil. We've got to confess that and be convicted of it and get pride dead because blessed are the poor in spirit who have been emptied out of thinking that I can do anything about this. I can't. But Christ can and His Word can if I'll bring myself under the Word. So new creatures in Christ love the Word. They understand the crime of sin. They use the pattern of the Word to continually correct their life day by day. It's like tent makers. You know, Paul was a tent maker and he would go around and, and you give material to the tent maker and he's got a pattern. And some of you ladies have probably made clothes and you're cutting with the scissors and you have to follow the pattern. If you don't follow the pattern and you get offline, it's not going to all fit together, is it? And that's not as easy as you think it is. And I've got a daughter that's taught some sewing classes and go through and you get, the first important thing is getting that pattern set and cutting it straight. Your life is like that. You have to use the pattern of this word of truth and daily be cutting straight according to the pattern and when you get off, you have to understand that using this word of truth so that you can get back on straight. Christ would say, take heed how you hear. Take heed what you hear, and with what measure you met, it shall be measured to you again. Take heed how you hear the pattern of sound words Paul is giving us. Take heed how you hear, because however you measure this word and your judgment, it will be measured to you again. He goes on to say that there's going to be some people who did not measure this word as it was, the inspired <coughs> word of God. And they had this outward prof profession. And they had this outward form of godliness. And in that same text where Jesus is saying, be careful how you hear my word. Be careful how you measure it. Because there's going to come a day then that those that have shall be given. And those that don't have, they have an outward profession but no conversion. He said, from them shall be taken away even that which they have. The outward show. The outward form. Godly sorrow works repentance unto salvation, not to be sorrowed of. This correction is a thorough repentance and sorrow that's working to be changed. That word repentance needs to be rescued, doesn't it? <clears throat> Even in Christendom in America, people say, well, I repented 40 years ago and received Christ. Now, repentance, metanoia, is change of mind. It's a changing of thinking. It's rethinking. And this is where we, the word of truth has to be worked into our soul, meditated upon, 
And where the Holy Spirit will take it deep into our soul to rethink, to change behaviors. That's not as easy as you think it is. I have seen in my life of living in the church now for some 30 years that even believers, if they came out of homes where there was behavior going on that wasn't good, they struggled to let go of the same behavior in their life. It's not as easy as we think it is. It's not easy. The whole point of this is this is painful. This is a lifelong process. And we need each other to be able to do this. Godly sorrow works repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But what? There's another kind of sorrow in there that works death. To just say, I have a sin problem is too easy. That's easy, isn't it? Well, everybody's a sinner. To err is human. To forgive divine. Those are easy, witty statements to make. Well, everybody has an anger problem. That's true. Everybody has a lust problem. Well, that's true. That We learned that from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. It's a whole other thing to say, I have a sin problem. Whenever uh, doctors are diagnosing skin cancer, do you know how many different kinds of skin cancer there are? I didn't get them all. Here's a few. There's basal cell skin cancer, lymphoma, squamous skin cancer, melanoma, Merkel cell skin cancer, and coppice sarcoma. That's just a few of them. But the doctor's got to know the nature of the disease and the specific pathology of that disease so he knows how far to cut, how deep to cut, and how to deal with the disease in order to get it out. Because if skin cancer is left alone, it grows deep roots all the way down into the rest of your body, and then that cancer metastasizes, we say. It spreads all over your body. And so you've got to get it out. And you've got to know. You've got to know the specific. What is my specific problem? That I need help with this word. We just sang a heart and every thought renewed and full of love divine. A, a heart in every thought renewed. That's repentance. That's rethinking. That's the change that we're moving towards in this walk of faith. So how have you changed in 2023? What is the Spirit doing in your life through the preached Word and your study of the Word? Can you measure it? Can you discern it? Without thorough reproof, conviction, sorrow, repentance, and restoration, there will be no change. You know, in this change, there's times where we've got to go back and make restitution, which means we've got to go back to people we've hurt in our past, if we have, and say, I'm sorry. If, if I'm a thief and I stole money in the past, I've got to go back and pay that money back. At the best of our ability, we've got to do everything we can to show that we are clear of all things. Instruction in righteousness is this fourth word in verse 16. For instruction in righteousness. All of this scripture is given. God breathed. Profitable for doctrine for you, for instruction in righteousness, that you might be thoroughly equipped in this walk of faith in your life. So the word instruction there is the same word that means to chastise. If you look at Strong's, Strong's Concordance says, the education and training of children, children, mind, morals, and includes care of the body. Instruction includes the rod and reproof. <coughs> chastisement. As we grow into adulthood, this chastisement moves into cultivating the soul by curbing and correcting the passions. To increase virtue. To be transformed. We're building something new. Hallelujah. 
created in Christ Jesus, new creatures. But do you know that build something new on a lot, you got to first tear down what was there? Romans 6, 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that you should not serve sin. We've got to destroy the old building and build a new one, and we build on the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. As Paul's instructing Timothy here, he uses that same word, instructing. In 2 Timothy 2.25, he says, In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Do you know that if someone is not obeying this word of truth, they're opposing themselves. You're fighting against yourself. If you're not obeying this word of truth in your marriage or in your family or in your workplace or wherever God has placed you, you could be opposing yourself and actually opposing everything else that's going on there. But the good news there at the end of chapter 6, he says, being then made free from sin, Romans 6, being made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. We're being instructed in righteousness. Don't oppose yourself. That same word is used in Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture. The word nurture there is the same word. Nurture and admonition of the Lord. We also read in Hebrews 12. God deals with his sons how? By chastening them. So that he can present something beautiful. He's making out of nothing something that's beautiful. He's crafting. He's beautifying you. God is working. God is chastising. Just think about the past week. Think about your past year. Where are all the pain points from this last year? You see, there's a, there's a, a teaching in the world that says we want to be moving towards the path of least resistance. And there's a, a lot of benefits of living in a modern society and manufacturing and all of that that does make life easier. But easier is not always better. Whatever afflictions God is sending your way or discomforts or things that you grieve over in your life, He's sending to, to you in love. Mike Stewart preached that right here at our meeting a few years ago. Everything coming to you contrary in your life is coming to you in love, believer. He's working in your life. We were sitting around talking about it. I was asking the kids, I said, so in the jobs y'all had so far, uh, what are some of the things we've learned? What do you learn about being in a job? Well, one of the first things that came up is, especially if you've worked in retail, is you learn the doctrine of total depravity exists in everybody. And you learn about covetousness. And everything, every experience God has given you young people, he's teaching you about these doctrines. Isn't that great? And one of the ways that we grow in grace is by paying attention to that. When in, in Revelations where it said the, the Lord God omnipotent reigns, that means omnipotence means all-powerful, and he's ruling everything and every detail, every butterfly effect, Every cause and effect that's going on in this world with 8, 9 billion people is under his rule and his reign. And for believers, he's teaching you through all of that to help increase you and to help you grow in grace. Not perfection, but progress. Change is possible, but it's not easy. And the thing we're learning about union with Christ one of the most fundamentally overlooked doctrines, I think, as I have read and understand in the past hundred years, particularly amongst our people. And that's how it's so important. We're doing a Wednesday night study on union with Christ. Oh, it's critical for you to understand the joy of being in union with Christ. We learn from that that whatever has happened in our past, 
that we don't have to be defined by it as long as Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Our identity is not in how good we are in sports or at the job. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. So the end of the work of the word in your soul is that you may be perfect, thoroughly equipped, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That the man of God, that the woman of God, does that define you in your life? If somebody, if anybody looked at you in your life, could they say, that's a man of God, that's a woman of God? Maybe, that they may be perfect. That, that verb there may be means there's a lot of possibility in that verb. That you may be perfect. That's like when Paul said, I labored more abundantly than they all. So they all had the same grace given them. But Paul labored more abundantly than they all. There's possibility for you to labor more abundantly than others. There is an aspect of good godly competition. And yet, not I, but the grace of God that was working in me. Good works continue in them. We're being equipped to perform good work. These good works are the evidence that we're in Christ. The good works, the things we do in our life, what comes out of our mouth, our behaviors, is showing evidence if we're in Christ Jesus, that we may be perfect. That just means completely fitted. It's like if you were going on an expedition to Antarctica, what all would you need? Well, it's going to be cold. So that's the first thing I'd be thinking about. I need a coat, long handles, maybe electric socks, and a battery. And then food, a tent. You've got to be thoroughly equipped. What all are you going to need in your life journey? This word in this text, this God-breathed word is saying you've got everything you need for life and all of your problems through this word, through the church of Jesus Christ. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Brothers and sisters, every day you are coming in contact with other minds in the world. Right? Every day you're coming in contact with other minds. In Proverbs 4, 14, it says, Enter not into the path of the wicked. The path of the wicked is the ways of thinking. And go not in the way of evil men. That's in their way of doctrine. Their way of teaching. Avoid it. Pass not by. Turn from it. Don't, don't go there. There's a pastor who had this to say about this. In thinking about doctrine and teaching in daily life. He said the world around us is the action of mind upon mind. You are either molding other minds or your mind is being molded by other minds. Every day. And we live in a world that's filled with truth and access to good truth. And we're living in a world filled with propaganda. Maybe access to propaganda and lies more than any human being has ever had. So this word... This preached word is given to you in mercy to help you be transformed, to help you be prepared. My purpose today was to thoroughly convict anyone here if Christ is not every part of your life, if you're an outward professor and you don't possess love of this truth that's transforming or changing you, I hope you will be transformed today, that you might be converted from that false view. As you're on the way to the end of your life, the way you're living, the way you're speaking, this Holy Spirit has given you everything you need to be changed and to prepare you for that day in which Paul says in Romans 2, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. You see, you can hide things from us now. People can hide things from other people, but it's not going to last forever. We even see how many are being exposed in the world today. 
even preachers being exposed who are not what they should be. Are you preparing for the wedding? This word of truth. Think about how you've been changed by it. Think about how, what your plan is for 2024 to be planned, to be changed by the word. What books am I going to read this year? In the Bible. Maybe you just focus on one. Maybe you say this year, I'm just going to focus on the gospel of John this year. I'm going to learn that like I've never learned it before. What's your plan for 2024 to be changed by the word to prepare for the wedding? Y'all know when there's a wedding that girls get together and they help each other with their hair? The bride and the bridesmaid. And it's a great time of rejoicing and enjoyment when girls get to do that. It's a wonderful time, isn't it, to prepare for the wedding? In Revelation 19, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia! For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. And this little phrase, and his wife hath made herself ready. This is how we make ourselves ready. Through the holy word of God, doctrine, <coughs> reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. Jesus Christ lived that out in front of us perfectly with a great compassion and love to transform us. There is great hope for us to change by the power of the word and by the power of the spirit. I pray that the Holy Spirit would bless you to know Christ more than you've ever known him. To examine your life this year and see have I been diligent as I ought to be? And that we might be excited about what the Lord holds for us as we are moving towards that day of that great marriage supper when Jesus Christ comes in glory with his holy angels.